to my Hoosier Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Hutchins of CNHI Sports Indiana. And on this episode, we will preview the Big Ten Men's Basketball Tournament, which begins Wednesday, February the 28th, and goes through Sunday um, in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Lots to talk about on that front, looking at some different matchups and pairings, looking at, you know, maybe a realistic chance for Indiana in this uh, event, and then also, you know, maybe who the front runners are, and and then also just kind of looking at, uh, you know, what happens now, um, you know. This is the first time that uh, the Big Ten has experimented like this, moved the conference tournament up a week. And so uh, in between this week and Selection Sunday, Big Ten teams will have a whole week off, and we'll talk about that as well. I've also got a really good interview today with my CNHI Sports Indiana colleague, Mike DeFabo who covers Purdue for CNHI, and uh, we sat down and had a great conversation about the Big Ten Tournament, but also maybe about uh, Purdue, and also just a look at that possible Friday night matchup, um, the last game of the day, Friday night, between Indiana and Purdue, potentially. So first, let's just go to some of these hot-button topics, though. I'll just kind of take a look at this Big Ten tournament. And it's an interesting one because, you know, the bracketologists, a lot of college basketball experts will tell you the Big Ten is down. Certainly, um, when you have a, uh, a field right now that is being projected to only include four Big Ten teams, and that would be Michigan State, Ohio State, Purdue, and Michigan. I mean, that's kind of unheard of in recent Big Ten annals. And you have a team that is the fourth seed in the tournament in Nebraska that went 13-5 and this year, won 23 ball games, and 13 wins in the Big Ten apparently isn't good enough because you, they don't have the, the top 50 wins and the quadrant wins and all the different things that go into the formula this year. And so you have a situation where, you know, you have a team that just won 13 games in the Big Ten that has to still do more by winning a game, maybe two, in the Big Ten tournament and be able to get a couple of those kinds of wins that, you know, we are hearing that some teams still need to get. The Big Ten tournament begins on Wednesday night in Madison Square Garden. Two games on the slate on Wednesday night. The uh, 13 seed Illinois will meet number 12 Iowa at 5.30 p.m. on Wednesday night. And that game will be followed by number 14, Rutgers, number 11, Minnesota. That game will be at approximately 8 p.m. Then the winners of those games will be inserted into the bracket Thursday. The winner of that 13-12 matchup between Illinois and Iowa 
will go on to face Michigan on Thursday. Michigan's the five seed. And then the winner of the 8 p.m. game, the the number 14 uh, Rutgers team and the number 11 Minnesota Golden Gophers, the winner of that game will move on to play Indiana, which had the number six seed. And then that game will be at approximately 9 p.m. on Thursday night. So, I mean, we'll start with those Wednesday games. A couple of interesting matchups. The thing about the Big Ten is is that people have been saying it all year that they wouldn't be surprised if one of those teams that are at the, on the lower end of things is able to win a game that maybe it shouldn't win in the Big Ten tournament. I am not completely sold on that idea when I look at the matchups that could potentially be on Thursday. But I think Illinois and Iowa is a, is a good first uh, game to kick off the tournament. Iowa's a team that... Uh, you know, has some has some good players. Uh, Bohannon and Cook are, are are two really good players. It's a team that scored a lot of points this year, has really had trouble finishing games. I guess you could say that for a lot of teams in the Big Ten. Illinois is a, a, a different kind of team. Uh, people think that maybe they pose some matchup problems that other teams don't. And, you know, I, I, Illinois is one of those teams that people talk about a lot that they think even though they're the 13 seed, it's a team that could potentially maybe win a game or two. I know my colleague Mike DeFable, when we have that interview coming up here shortly, he talks about what he thinks about Illinois too. And, you know, Purdue just saw them just a, a week or so ago when they, uh, when they met at the end of the regular season. The other game is Rutgers and Minnesota, two teams that uh, – you know, been up and down. Minnesota obviously got hit by both the injury bug and the suspension bug when you um, include Reggie Lynch. and uh, But the injury bug, obviously, with Amir Coffey. And uh, that was a team that coming in, into January, you really thought that was a team that was going to be one of the top teams in the Big Ten, um, could potentially at least compete for a, a top four seed and a double buy in the Big Ten tournament. And then everything kind of broke loose that, that first week in, in January. Indiana fans remember it well because on Saturday, January the 6th, when Indiana played at Minnesota was when was the day after all the Reggie Lynch stuff had hit, and also Amir Coffey didn't play in that game, and Indiana went on the road and and beat Minnesota and, and got their first uh, their first true road win at that point. Uh, Indiana would go on to beat Rutgers in Iowa as well, finished with a three and six road record this year, but. Uh, but yeah, so Minnesota was a team that that you really thought had a chance to get in that Friday situation where you had a double bye, you didn't play Wednesday, didn't play Thursday, and would only need to win three games to win the Big Ten tournament. Uh, four teams get that double bye, and uh, now, I mean, everything went south in a hurry, and they struggled, and you know now they're on the complete opposite end of that spectrum as one of the four teams playing on Wednesday night. And then in order to win the Big Ten tournament, would have to win five days, five games in five days, which is a pretty daunting task. So that's kind of looking at Wednesday. Uh, Rutgers, again, 
been kind of an interesting team this year, up and down. Um, I thought it was really interesting, if you remember, uh, that it was a Saturday-Monday uh, thing in early February, maybe late January for the, the Saturday game. But Purdue, in the middle of that long 19-game win streak or whatever it was, went into Rutgers and just had a, I mean, a dogfight with the Scarlet Knights. Corey Sanders had a big game. I think he had 30 points. And uh, it was a two-point game. I think it might have been 78-76, but it was really tight. Uh, Purdue came away with a win, but it was a great effort by Rutgers. Two days later, they played host to Indiana and looked like a completely different team. Corey Sanders is completely shut down, and Indiana would go on to win that game. They're only meeting against Rutgers this year by 20 points. And so, um, again, up and down team, not sure exactly what to expect. Um, If I had to handicap those two games, I like Iowa. And uh, and I really don't know what to, to make out of Rutgers, Minnesota. I really think they could go either way. I'm not sure that uh, that Minnesota has has given up on the on this year or not. They certainly played like it at times in the Big Ten season, but who knows? You know, this is that time when you know you, you still have some good players on that team, and. You know, uh, you know Jordan Murphy and Nate Mason and people like that. And uh, again, if they can get something going at the right time, you know they've got a chance to uh, you know, whichever team advances on Wednesday. We'll have Indiana up next, and we all know what Indiana has been this year in terms of up and down and all over the place. So. That's something to think about for Thursday. Let's look at Thursday real quick. Um, the way Thursday breaks out is you have the first game at noon. That'll be number nine, Wisconsin, against number eight seeded Maryland. And then, again, the one I talked about earlier, the number five seed Michigan Wolverines, a team that's projected in the NCAA tournament field right now. Will go up against the winner of Illinois and Iowa from Wednesday night. That game will be at 2:30 on um, on Thursday afternoon. Kind of a tough turnaround there. You have to play at 5:30 one night, and less than 24 hours, you have to come back and play. The winner will have to come back and play at 2:30 on Thursday afternoon against Michigan. Then the two later games are really interesting. You have number 10 Northwestern. Against number seven, Penn State. Penn State's kind of been a team that, uh, you know, again, had some some really big wins. They beat Ohio State twice this year. Ohio State only lost three games in conference. Two of them are to Penn State. And uh, so you have that matchup there. Northwestern uh, maybe a little disappointing after making the NCAA tournament for the first time last year. And then this year has had, you know, a, a bit of a struggle. You know, their uh, their home arena is under renovation, so they had to go off campus to play their home games. And it's just kind of been a, a, a difficult year for them. And uh, so they set as the 10 seed, and they'll play number 7, Penn State, at 630. And then the last game on Thursday night will be Indiana against the winner of Rutgers in Minnesota. That game will be at approximately 9 p.m. on Thursday evening. 
And uh, that game there, Indiana beat Minnesota twice, and they beat Rutgers once. They were 3-0 and against those two teams. Uh, the encouraging thing there is that um, two of those games, the Rutgers game on the road and the Minnesota game at home, both were just a few weeks ago. They were uh, in early February, and uh, Indiana um, won both of those games by more than 20 points. And so and that was one of the things we talked to Archie Miller about before they headed to New York was about that specific thing. It was, is, you know, how much can you take from, you know, having played a team just, you know, three or four weeks ago. Archie said that, you know, at this time of the year, teams are really focused on themselves more than who they're playing. But he said, you know, there's no way you can discount the fact that um, that was a big thing that they just played, you know, uh, l- less than a month ago. So that'll be Indiana against Rutgers and Minnesota, Rutgers or Minnesota at 9 p.m. on Thursday night. And then you get the winners that come out of Thursday night and they go into Friday. Friday, the same format as Thursday. You'll have a noon game followed by a 2.30, a 6.30, and a 9. That's kind of the, 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 that's where the big boys show up. Number one, Michigan State. Number two, Ohio State. Three, Purdue. Four, Nebraska. But boy, there's so many really interesting potential matchups that could be on Friday. I think Friday is going to be the day that people are going to want to be glued to their, uh, to their television sets especially if Indiana can get past either Rutgers or Minnesota. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But that first matchup is, you know, you have uh, Michigan State at noon. The number one seed uh, went uh, 16-2 and in conference play. And they will play either Wisconsin or Maryland. And, uh, you know, that could, uh, you know, Wisconsin's been a tough team to figure uh, they did beat Purdue. Ethan Happ has been has had some really good games. A lot of times you've kind of felt that was Ethan Happ and, and his four buddies, that he was the main guy. But other guys have been stepping up too. In Maryland, hey, you, just, you never really know what to to expect there. Again, you got a couple of you got some superstar type players and a team that scored a lot of points this year. Um, Again, something you can say about a lot of Big Ten teams. But ultimately, you know, they're still sitting in that 8-9 game for a reason because, you know, they haven't been able to get things done on a consistent basis. The 2-30 game, it will be uh, Nebraska, the four seed, against whoever comes out of the that, uh, well, first Illinois and Iowa, and then the winner of that will play Michigan. Most people think it'll be Michigan and Nebraska on Friday at 2:30, and um, you know Michigan is a team that, boy, I think is playing as well as anybody in the Big Ten. Seem to be hitting their their stride at the right time, and Nebraska still has a lot to prove. Like we talked about, 13 wins in the Big Ten season apparently isn't enough right now. They're being looked upon as an NIT team, and I'm sure that they. Uh, they want to find a way to, to show some people, including the selection committee, that, uh, that that they're for real. And so that'll be at 2.30 on Friday. At 6.30, uh, 
Uh, again, if Penn State finds a way to beat Northwestern, it will play Ohio State at 6.30 in the quarterfinals on Friday night. And that is significant because Ohio State only lost two Big Ten games, or three Big Ten games, but two of them were to Penn State. And so you can look at it a couple of ways. One way you can look at it is that Ohio State was 15-1 and against anyone not named Penn State in the Big Ten and 0-2 and against the Nittany Lions. And so... You know, that'll be a Penn State team that has all kinds of confidence going into that. Ohio State is really good, though. And uh, Indiana fans certainly saw that last Friday night when um, C.J. Jackson hit that shot with like a uh, 1.2 seconds left, three-pointer that uh, ultimately uh, spelled a two-point defeat for the Hoosiers. So, yes, uh, that could be an interesting matchup. And then the one that... You know, Central Indiana or the state of Indiana or or whatever is really interested in is whether or not we're going to see Indiana play Purdue at 9 p.m. on Friday night in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Those two teams only played once this year. It was an assembly hall. Uh, A lot of people rooting for that second matchup because I think it would be uh, an interesting one. You have uh, these are two teams that have uh, met on neutral sites in the past. Uh, They played in Madison Square Garden in 1979 in the NIT championship game, a a game won by Indiana. They played on a neutral court in Lexington, Kentucky in the NCAA tournament. They played on a neutral court one year Um, at the RCA Dome in Indianapolis when they were only going to play one time in the conference season and they went ahead and scheduled a uh, non-conference game as well that was played at the RCA Dome. And then then the other time they played was, I believe, was in Chicago, and it was in the Big Ten tournament. It was the 1997-98 season. I remember it because uh, Kurt Cavan was covering the – Uh, Indiana Hoosiers for the Indianapolis Star at that time and then the next season I got on the beat and stayed on the beat at the Star for 15 years and and now I've been doing my CNHI gig for for a couple of years and I've been covering Indiana basketball for 20 seasons in a row and so it it would be fun uh, on at a lot of levels uh you know, one thing for sure, would it would mean that a team from Indiana would advance to the Big Ten semifinals on Saturday. And that would be significant as well. But the other thing is just that you have, uh, you know, you have two great rivals. And it was a great game in Assembly Hall. And, you know, you might want to, th- you, you, you might give... Assembly Hall some of the credit for that. But then the other thing is that Purdue didn't shoot particularly well. Indiana found a way to hang around, but couldn't finish at the end. But uh, So, yeah, that would be a most entertaining way to wrap up Friday night would be if you had Indiana play Purdue um, for, for, the, for the, the right to go to the semifinals on Saturday afternoon. So we talked about Monday, Tuesday, or we talked about Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Move on to Saturday. There's two Big Ten tournament semifinal games. The first one's at two o'clock. Um, that will feature, you know, the Michigan State or that side of the bracket. 
And then the other game will be at 4.30. Again, if Indiana wins on Thursday, you'll be guaranteed that that game at 4.30 on Saturday will either have Purdue or Indiana. So that would be something to watch as well. And then Sunday is the championship game. Again, all these games at Madison Square Garden. Sunday game is at uh, 4.30. And then, so, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of a, a look at the Big Ten tournament uh, and and what is in store this year. The, um, the thing with, uh, you know, moving it back a week and then having a week off, that's something I want to explore in just a minute. Right now, I'd like to go right to that interview I had with Mike DeFabo. If you haven't read his work, he's a talented young writer at CNHI Sports Indiana. Uh, he and I have been working together on this this kind of uh, CNHI Sports Indiana gig now for you know going on 20 months. And uh, but if you don't read him regularly, I would suggest you do. He's, uh, again, a very talented young writer. So Mike and I sat down for this interview, and uh, without further ado, here it is. Back on the Hoosier Insider podcast interview um, with Mike DeFabo of CNHI Sports Indiana, my Purdue colleague for our uh, publication uh, Big Ten Tournament Week. It's always an exciting week, and uh, it's a you know the, I guess there's a different sense of excitement playing in New York City. Um, at the same time, I think there's there, maybe there's more of a sense of anticipation, wondering you know what we're going to experience when we get there in terms of how many people on the East Coast really care about this event. We we had a taste of it, that last year when we were in Washington, D.C. I'm kind of expecting some, more of the same when we're in Madison Square Garden. But what do you think, Mike? Well, I think, I think there's two ways to look at it. You know, first, in terms of a fan perspective, um, yeah, I mean, I remember last year being at the Big Ten Tournament in Washington, D.C., and there were some games where the atmosphere was terrible. No one was there. Nobody cared. Um, but what really carried that tournament was that Maryland fans are awesome fans. They travel well, and their campus was about 30 minutes from um, Washington, D.C., where that those games were played. So the games where Maryland played, it was a, an awesome environment. But then when Maryland, when Maryland lost, the environment was terrible. What I expect this week, I'm not exactly sure because it is a bigger kind of area. Um, but I, I wonder, you know, the, the team that's closest by it, it to Madison Square Garden is Rutgers. And I'm not sure that Rutgers necessarily has the fan base or the interest that Maryland has. So you can't necessarily count on those home fans to really carry the, the attendance. Um, so that's the fan perspective. But in terms of the players, I think the players have a different approach to it because, you know, growing up, these kids had heard so much about Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden is this storied basketball arena. And, you know, every kid dreams of growing up and playing, you know, for the New York Knicks or playing in Madison Square Garden eventually. So I think that for the players, it's going to be a pretty awesome experience for them to get to say that they played in such a storied venue. I don't know what your thought on this is, but I'm uh, I've I've almost become outspoken on this, like in radio shows and TV stuff I've done recently. But uh, 
just about the whole, just the way this whole season has gone. And in terms of cramming everything in, and I mean, I, I know that Purdue's had probably similar things. Indiana's had like five of these, you know, two games in three days situations. They had a run of six games in 17 days. There's all of this crammed in, and and you know what, and, and maybe moving forward when you go to a 20 game conference schedule, maybe it, you know, that's just the, the the way of the world, so to speak. But boy, this year everything seemed crammed in. You moved the conference tournament up a week, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> so. I'm not a big Jim Delaney fan on this idea. I like the idea of going back to Chicago and Indianapolis on a rotating basis for the next four years. But, I mean, you you have probably a little different perspective, I would guess. You're, I don't, I don't know if I'd call you an East Coast guy from Pennsylvania, but, I mean, you, you're, not, you, you're not the guy that's been on this Midwestern ride like I have for the last 20 years. I'm just curious of what your perspective is on playing it in places like Washington, D.C. and uh, New York City. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hear what you're coming from. Um, you know, I guess it was worth a shot to see how it would go. And I understand why they're doing it, because when you add Rutgers and you add Maryland, you can't just continue to keep the tournament out in Chicago and Indy. Um, you have to prove to those people that you do care about their markets and you do care about the fans. But, I mean, I saw it last year where attendance was bad and the tournament atmosphere wasn't good. So, you know, they said that they're going to bring it back to the Midwest next year for the foreseeable future, and I think that maybe that's where it belongs. But, you know, speaking to your other point, though, about you know the reason why they had to condense the schedule was because they wanted to play in Madison Square Garden and I think the ACC already had the venue locked up for the normal, you know, conference tournament period. So you're absolutely right, though, about the condensed schedules. It's, it's created a bad situation. I thought uh, it was pretty telling. Um, Illinois coach Brad Underwood uh, was talking about how uh, Purdue coach Matt Painter already gave his press conference for Illinois, like talking about Illinois, before they had already played, before they had even played Michigan State. So they had to play Michigan State. Then they had one off day. Then they had to play Purdue. Um, I don't. That's like that's that's just asking for disaster, and especially if you're Illinois. So I think it created some tough situations for some teams. Now this week off in between, uh, I think that that really benefits Purdue more than any other team because if you guys remember, Purdue played in the World University Games over in Taipei, uh, so they're they're dealing with a little bit of some tired legs, I think. So. Uh, I think that they could benefit from this week off, but in general, I think that you're absolutely right that this condensed schedule has created some bad basketball and some tough turnarounds and put a lot of pressure on these teams. Why do we have to throw these people a bone? Why do you have to throw Maryland a bone and give them some love and say, you know, we'll we'll play this in your backyard for one year, or the same with Rutgers here in New York City, which is a stretch all by itself anyway. But I just don't get that whole thing because, you know, so much of sports is tradition. The Big Ten had their own tradition. They moved off of that a little bit. Well, not a little bit, but they moved off of it on a rotating basis between Indy and and Chicago. And I thought that made sense because it was all still centrally located and everybody could get there. And, 
you know what, I, I get that there's a few outlying schools here, but but at the same time, you know, the, the traditionalist will say, hey, uh, we were here before, it was working really well, why fix something that isn't broken? And, you know, these are, these are schools that, you know, were, were added on, I don't know, the, the whole thing to me, um, I, I get it from the whole, you know, we want to have a footprint in these places standpoint, but I really don't get why you need to expand your conference tournament uh, footprint um, outside of where it's most centrally located and more people can get to it. Yeah, I mean, I lived in Chicago for two years. You can't walk down the street without seeing somebody wearing some type of Big Ten team you know, on their shirt. There's an Iowa shirt you're walking by, you're walking by an IU shirt, you're walking, you see a car drive by with a Michigan you know, license plate on it. I mean, Chicago is a hub, I think, where all the kids who go to Big Ten schools eventually settle in Chicago or Milwaukee or Indy. And so, I mean, it, it is true that the conference is a Midwest conference, but they're trying to change that perception and they feel like going to Madison Square Garden is going to do that. The other thing, Terry, you have to remember, they don't really care how many people attend this. They care about money in their pockets and they care about TV revenue. And they've obviously, somebody's done some calculations and figured out that, you know, it's important to get out to these markets because they want those TV dollars. They want people to be watching it on TV. So, I don't know. I, I'm I'm with you. I think I'm I'm happy to see it come back to the Midwest next year. Visiting with Mike DeFabo of CNHI Sports Indiana. Let's move on and just talk about the Big Ten tournament. It should be a really interesting tournament because you have a whole bunch of teams that look alike, and that. And, you know, in, in a lot of cases, these teams play really well at home and not so well on the road. Uh, the whole neutral site aspect of it could make for some interesting matchups and some interesting games. I'm, I kind of wonder if it's a nice way of saying, you know what, the Big Ten's not very good this year. You got a, a lot of, you know, you know, crummy teams. Um, competitive crummy teams, but still crummy teams. You have a, you know, you have your top two or three, but, uh, but, you know, I guess, I guess from a competitive standpoint, what kind of a tournament are you expecting? Well, I think it'll be competitive. I think that there's a, a lot of teams right now that are going to be playing on Thursday that I could potentially see making a run all the way till Sunday. So, uh, and I mean, this is the beginning of it. Don't they call it March Madness eventually? So, you know, we got a couple of days until March, until the postseason. I think th- you could definitely see some upsets. I mean, let's just look at, you know, Purdue had to go to Rutgers, and they, they won by a basket. You know, that's Purdue, which a team that had a 19-game winning streak at one point, and Rutgers, a team that you just say Rutgers and basically people laugh at you because the, they're known for being so terrible. But one basket separated them. So, you know, I could see – you never know what's going to happen in this tournament. I could see there being several upsets uh, and making it for a competitive weekend. Right now, if you look at bracketology going into the uh, tournament, you have – I think the latest ESPN bracketology had Michigan State and Purdue both as two seeds. I believe it had Ohio State as a four 
and Michigan is a six. Those are the only four teams at this point in the uh, in the NCAA tournament. And the NIT bracketology had Maryland, it had Nebraska, it had Indiana, and uh, Penn State as its as four more Big Ten teams that could be moving on and playing in the NIT. But when you look at all of that, I mean, what team, in your opinion, needs to do the most this week, either to move up in seed or move up in, you know, consideration for something else? Obviously, if somebody makes a run that's not supposed to and wins the Big Ten tournament, they get in the dance. I get that. But boy, I tell you what, Nebraska is such an interesting story here. Who would have ever thought that you could win 13 games in the Big Ten season and not be considered an NCAA tournament team going into conference tournament week? I think that was exactly going to be my answer. My two answers are going to be Penn State and Nebraska because those two are the teams that are really sitting most on the bubble right now. And mm-hmm. Nebraska is another team. You know, I was talking about how Rutgers gave Purdue a, a good game. Nebraska is another one. And when you watch Nebraska play in person, they're long and they're athletic. And James Palmer Jr. is a, an outstanding player, sometimes the best player on the court. Um, so I think that they are an NCAA tournament team when you watch them play. But the problem is just the system that they have set up right now with their quadrant wins, they just don't have enough quality wins to definitively get themselves in the tournament. So I think that they're a team that has possibly the most to gain because they'll probably end up playing Michigan on Thursday if the if the seeds hold out. Uh, Michigan is a really talented team that I could see winning the entire Big Ten tournament um, and making a deep run into the actual the big you know March Madness tournament. Um, the other team that I think has a lot to gain, like I said, is Penn State. Um, Penn State was going to be maybe my dark horse team for this tournament, except for Mike Watkins is out. Uh, at least he was last game. I'm not sure what his status is going to be for when they get to New York, but uh, Penn State's another good team. I mean, Penn State has continued to improve, and they were a team that no one really thought about. When you think about Penn State, you think about football. Uh, you don't think about basketball, but they've definitely improved and uh i think that they could make a little bit of a run and even get into the tournament so outside of michigan state um purdue ohio state nebraska the top four seeds that have the the double buys um now you mentioned the two that you mentioned um but i mean is this do you feel like this is a tournament that I mean, you said Thursday. I mean, do you think that a, a a Wednesday team has a chance at a run, or are those four teams, do you think, probably not predisposed to something like that? Well, uh, if I'm being honest, no. I don't, I, I don't like any of the teams that are playing Wednesday, but um, because I've seen Iowa play com- like complete trash, uh, I think Minnesota is not very good at all. Uh, Rutgers, I could see them winning one or two games, but not really. But the, the team, if there is going to be a Wednesday team that's going to make a run, it's going to be Illinois because Illinois plays a different style of basketball than pretty much everyone else in the Big Ten. They're extremely up-tempo. 
Uh, they push the basketball. They um, On defense, they're going to like blitz your passing lanes, create a lot of offense off of defense. Um, and they've lost so many close games this year that I think that maybe they're due for a couple games to go their way. But, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that maybe Illinois has a chance. But really the team that I'm looking for that's outside of that top Michigan State uh, Purdue, Ohio State, Nebraska mix is Michigan to make a run and win the tournament. I think Michigan right now, uh, they've. I think that they they've played some awesome basketball. They've been in possession games with the big dogs. They beat Michigan State. They, both games against Purdue were possession games, um, and they're playing. I think they're playing their best basketball. Under John Beeline, he traditionally always his team seemed to peak right in March uh, as he continues to coach them up, and I would expect this team to do the same thing. Visiting with Mike DeFabo, our Purdue writer with CNHI Sports Indiana. Let's talk Purdue. Uh, you know, a great year to a point has a little, uh, you know, I, I don't know, what, what do you even call that three-game losing streak? I mean, two of them were against pretty good teams in particular, but I guess my point there is, is that do you feel like Purdue has something to prove this week to the committee or anyone else that, you know, hey, this is the team that, you know, was a top two or three team at one point in the season, deserves a number two seed for sure. Do you feel like uh, maybe the Boilers have something to prove? Oh, yeah, without question, because when you looked at it, you mentioned the three losses. So Purdue went into what was the biggest week of their season with a 19-game winning streak. Um, they were undefeated in conference play. They basically were right. You know, everything was setting up for them to win back-to-back Big Ten titles. Then they lost. They had a 14-point lead and with 10 minutes to go against Ohio State. They end up blowing that lead, and they lose on a last-second tip-in by Kata Bates-Diop. So one of the best players in the Big Ten beats them in the final seconds. Then they go to Michigan State. They play a scrappy kind of classic Purdue-Michigan State game where maybe neither team played especially well offensively, but it was just kind of that grinded-out type of game. And then Purdue ends up losing again on a, on a last-second shot by Miles Bridges, another one. So you've lost back-to-back games, both by one possession, both at the hands of one of the best players in the Big Ten two guys who eventually went on to be named first-team All-Big Ten. Kitabase Diop was the Big Ten player of the year. Well, then they go to go to Wisconsin, and Wisconsin basically has been uh, Ethan Happ plus four guys from your intramural team who tell you they're just going to set screens and play defense. And somehow Purdue just lays a complete egg in one of the biggest games and blows their chance of winning a Big Ten, term, Big Ten title. Um so I think that that was a little bit of a hangover type of game where they had exhausted so much mental energy in those first two, and then to, to come up empty in both of those, I think that Purdue was a little bit dragging. It was on the road. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. I think that they feel like right now this is their shot for redemption, and this is a, a you know Purdue is a senior-laden team. They start four seniors, and then Carson Edwards. Now he's not really a sophomore anymore because he's played so much. He's almost you know, starting to turn the corner and be almost like a junior. So this is a really veteran team. They've played in a lot of tournaments. They've played in a lot of postseason games. So I would expect that they will be ready for these types of situations and also motivated to play in them. Is this a lunch pail kind of a group, do you feel like? I mean, in terms of 
okay, now we're in the postseason, the next season or whatever, the second season coming up, and maybe the third. I mean, I don't know how you approach that. But but in terms of, do you feel like with this group, this is, I mean, that they're going to go on the road and approach it like a business trip and that they've got something to that you know that goal in mind and they're going to want to go get it done or do you just feel like you know maybe some of these guys are thinking hey you know what that extra week off kind of sounds good and and we're going to be able to flip on a switch and go play in the NCAA tournament oh no I think that this is an extremely motivated group because I think that they felt like the the Big Ten title got taken out of their hands you know I think they could they could feel the trophy and then all of a sudden it was gone um and, you know, the other thing is these four seniors, um, they've meant so much to Purdue. They completely changed the trajectory of the program. They came into the program when the year before they came in, Purdue had completely bottomed out finishing last in the Big Ten. They brought Purdue all the way back. They had their, their emotional senior day on Sunday. And I think that they realized that their time together and their time in college basketball is coming to an end. For a lot of them, this is going to be the best team that they ever play on. And Isaac Haas even admitted that. He said this is the best, you know, this is the best team that they're ever going to play on, and they want to capitalize on that. Um, so I think that they're going to be a, a team that's going to be supremely motivated. And the other thing is they lost in the first round of the Big Ten, not the first round, but their first game on, on Friday after getting the double bye against Michigan last year in the Big Ten tournament. So I think they still kind of have that bad taste in their mouth from the Big Ten tournament and they're motivated to make a run in this one. I know you're young and you're a macho guy and all that different stuff. Come on, tell me the truth. Did you get a little teary-eyed at the end of Isaac Haas' senior speech? <laughs> oh, maybe only Isaac Haas's. I didn't I didn't get I didn't get too teary-eyed, but um, I mean, when yeah. he ta- when he talks about his sister? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, Isaac Haas is he's like a gentle giant. You know, you see this 7 foot 2, 300 pound guy I mean, he looks like a rock, but he's got a soft inside to him. And, um, yeah, he talked about in his speech, his, his sister has epilepsy, severe epilepsy. And, you know, part of the reason why he was thinking of going to the NBA early was because he's been kind of her protector. And um, he felt obligated to provide for her and help her have a better life. Uh, and one of those things was they wanted to have a, um, a service dog to, to comfort her. But Purdue fans reached out and they helped him raise enough money to get this service dog. And I mean, I thought it was just um, the way I described it was like a symbiotic relationship between the fans and the player, um, where you know he's given them so much joy with all of his dunks and all of his good play. But then he also got back in return, you know, the uh, the financial support to help his sister. And he did. He he was like bawling like a little kid there when he talked about how happy he was and how much it meant to him that everybody helped his sister. So it, it was a really cool moment for sure. The, um, okay. So the elephant in the room here is, uh, you know, okay. Everybody's talking. Okay. There's a game Wednesday and there's this games Thursday, but anyone in central Indiana has in their mind Indiana Purdue playing Friday night at nine o'clock, and uh, and rightfully so. And I mean, you would think that Indiana should be able to get past either Rutgers or Minnesota, but uh, anyway, I'm just wondering. I mean, 
I'm not saying that would be a favorable matchup for Indiana. At the same time, it would almost be a, hey, we got nothing to lose kind of a situation. And those kinds of games can be tough on the team that's expected to win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, it does benefit IU being the underdog uh, in this situation. And I don't, I don't know whether Purdue would want to see IU or not, honestly, because there's so many times in these rivalry games where the underdog does win. And we saw, you know, I think I, I think Purdue is much more talented than IU, but when they played at assembly hall this year, it came right down to the wire because it was a rivalry game. Now, I don't know if the complexion of the, the game changes a little bit in Madison Square Garden. I don't know if the complexion of the game changes a little bit if Purdue hits a couple three-pointers because they were ice-cold from three-point range that first time around. But I think the rivalry is going to be a factor. I also think that some of the matchups actually are a little bit in IU's favor uh, just with Juwan Morgan. I think Juwan Morgan presents a ton of problems for Isaac Haas because he can move around and stretch Haas out on the perimeter. Um so, you know, I don't know. I think that, that I, I'm rooting for that because I grew up in Pennsylvania and I don't really care who wins or loses. Uh, so it would be a little bit more fun. I would much rather see Purdue versus IU in Madison Square Garden uh, than Purdue Rock, Minnesota in Madison Square Garden at 9 p.m. when everyone's falling asleep. That's a really good point. The uh, So Indiana potentially against Purdue. And, and again, um, you know, I think these teams have played – maybe four neutral site games before. They played once in the Big Ten tournament. It was the year before I got on the beat. It was 1998. They played in the NIT championship game in 1979 in Madison Square Garden, which is ironic. They played in Lexington one year. They also played, I believe, in the RCA Dome in Indianapolis one year. They had a little experiment on one of those years where they were only playing once in conference play. That's another thing, though, I think would be cool about this is that, hey, this was a year they were only going to play once. And as we learned mid-year or early in the year, it's the last year they're only going to play once because they've they've gone to the protected rivalry in basketball. But, I mean, I, I, again, it it I always think it's funny how you would go, you know, wherever. Uh, you'd go a thousand miles away to play a game between Indiana and Purdue. But like you mentioned earlier on about the historic venue and, and all of that, it could be a pretty cool game. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for that. I, I think the bracket in general is kind of cool for Purdue because, you know, they could get the Purdue-IU game, um, which is the rivalry game, and then let's say Purdue wins that one. Then it shakes out where they could probably get a, a rematch with Ohio State, and I talked about how, you know, they lost on that Kata Bates-Diop tip-in, so it would be a little bit of a chance for redemption there. Then, I mean, you really don't know how it's going to shape up from there, but then, you know, the most likely scenarios are if Purdue would continue to win, they would get another shot at Michigan State, and that's another situation where Purdue only played Michigan State once. Um, they also played Ohio State only once. Or let's say that Michigan ends up advancing, like I had talked about them being a team that's going to make some noise in this tournament. Uh, Michigan lost by a possession to Purdue, uh, you know, both times they played them. So there you get Michigan a chance to get a little bit of redemption on a neutral court. Or or maybe Illinois will just run the table and all that I said was complete, uh, you know, baloney and doesn't mean anything. So you never know. Five, game, five games in five days. Think about that. 
that's like that that's a little bit that, that that's too crazy anyway hey uh he's mike defabo again uh, mike tell him where to follow your work i know indiana fans can't wait to follow purdue however if uh it gets to the weekend and indiana is out and purdue is in i think there are a lot of people in central indiana that would would like to see uh a school from the the state of indiana do well but tell them where they can see your work yeah sure uh you can follow me on twitter uh it's mike and then last name is defabo d-e-f-a-b-o mike defabo of cnhi sports indiana thanks again and uh just a reminder to everyone that mike and i'll both be at madison square garden uh, beginning wednesday we'll have we'll each cover a game on wednesday go all the way through through the end of the uh, tournament Sunday afternoon and, and make sure you follow both of our our work at any CNHI Sports Indiana newspaper or on our Twitter handles. You just heard Mike's and mine's at Indy Sports Hutch. Thanks again, Mike. Alright, thanks a lot, Terry. Thanks again to Mike DeFabo. Again, great interview, great insights, um, a good young writer. I'm glad to have him on our team, so to speak. And And again, Mike and I will We'll be at Madison Square Garden all week uh, reporting um, every game right through the championship game. And then on, on Sunday in the title game, you know, one of us will write the the main story. Someone else will write a, a sidebar. Someone else will write a notebook. I mean, we'll have as good a coverage as you can from the Big Ten tournament. We did it in Washington, D.C. last year. We're doing it in Madison Square Garden this year. Let's talk real quickly about the Big Ten tournament and the future of it. Again, this was kind of an experiment a little bit to throw, uh, you know, the Washington, D.C. market a bone and, and now the same for the New York market. But next year, it gets back to, uh, you know, a more traditional format again. So in 2019, it'll be played in Chicago, also in 2021 in Chicago. And then in 20 and again in 22, the Big Ten tournament will be held in Indianapolis. I think that's the four-year contract that they have set up right now. And uh, beyond that, you know, we'll, we'll be hearing a lot more about that in the next uh, year or so. So that's kind of what you have there as far as uh, the, the Big Ten tournament. And then um, in, as far as future sites for it. And then, I mean... Again, I'm not a big fan of it, um, only because I just don't like having to shuffle everything up just so you can, you know, play on this stage in New York City. Um, yeah, if you could have played there and you and you were able to play there, and your championship game would have been, you know, leading right up to Selection Sunday. I think most people would prefer that. I know different teams have different strategies as to what they're going to do in this week off and so you know in between because the Big Ten tournament's going to end on Sunday and then you're going to have a full week until selection Sunday is the following Sunday and so all those bubble teams will be falling and and uh, you know Indiana and and everyone else in the Big Ten will be done and and they'll be kind of sitting back and 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 watching how this whole thing unfolds and I'm sure it's going to be a, a head scratching and difficult time 
for you know Big Ten college basketball fans because as it stands right now, going into uh, this week's Big Ten tournament, there were four Big Ten teams projected to make the big dance. And you were talking Michigan State as a two, Purdue as a two, Ohio State as a four, and Michigan as a six. So again, they leapfrogged Nebraska, even though Nebraska had a better record and had a 20-point win. Um, you know, as you know, as well. And so that's the kind of the thing that we're looking at. And so the way it stands right now, those are the four teams projected. Uh, the, the top three seeds and the five seed. Nebraska was leapfrogged, like I said, uh, despite having a 20-point win against Michigan. And now you, uh, you you look at the projected NIT bracket. You have Nebraska as a really high seed there. You have uh, a team like Maryland and Penn State and Indiana are the other three right now that are projected as part of the NIT field. So lots of things to keep an eye on as this Big Ten tournament unfolds. Myself, just not a, just not a big fan of, of shaking everything up just to go do that in a historic venue like that. I, I like the way that it's always been in the past where you're building momentum um, as a game that goes right up to Selection Sunday usually uh, you know, within an hour or so. Um, but who knows? Maybe this uh, this whole format will work out better. The teams will be more well-rested. I would think that you'd worry about sharpness and all the, that those kinds of things. But I do know that Big Ten teams have plans to do things. So we'll, we'll see how that whole thing shakes out. So that's it for this week's Hoosier Insider Podcast. Uh, talked a lot about the Big Ten. Didn't talk a lot about Indiana. Um, Mike and I talked a little bit about it. But, uh, you know, for all your Indiana coverage heading into uh, the Thursday night game first and then the uh, the, the Friday night game, um, if they were able to win Thursday, against Purdue, um, just check our coverage all week, and um, and we'll try to bring you the best in Big Ten basketball coverage, Mike DeFable and myself. So for next, until next time, uh, we'll see you then. <laughs>